Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Network Hour on 95.7 The Game. I am Rob Stats Carrera alongside Levin Black. It's going to be a new show out here on 95.7 The Game, your 49ers pregame to the pregame show. Levin, I am so excited to be with everybody. It's kind of a wild thing. Like, this is not something I ever thought was going to happen to me. You know what I mean? To be on 95.7, you know, the, the radio station in the Bay Area. I'm a big Niners fan. have been all my life. To be on the radio in the Bay Area is kind of like one of those things, one of those dreams that I never thought would actually happen. We are going to get to a full preview of Niners Cardinals. What's at stake? We're going to get to the Brock Purdy MVP slander that is out there that is driving both of us crazy. Uh, but before we do, quickly, just a little info on us. Uh, for me, I produced Pro Football Talk Live with Chris Sims and Mike Florio for NBC Sports for years. Before that, I produced Mike and Mike in the Morning on ESPN Radio. I've been a dyed-in-the-wool 49ers fan from the time that I came out of the womb. So that's just a little about me. Levin is just like a guy that's here, so don't really worry too much about him. Just know all the expertise is from me. Yeah, uh, so I was uh, a journalist, actually, for a while, so I wasn't just hiding behind the scenes and writing the coattails of Florio and Sims and ESPN guys. Uh, I was a sports journalist, uh, mostly in newspapers, did some radio. Uh, technically, my degree is in TV. I was on some TV stuff back when I was in college, but mostly been newspapers since. I hung up those things and uh, started doing a podcast instead. Imagine that. Okay, so that's just a little about us. Uh, let's get to the actual 49ers stuff, which is what people care about. It's a hat and t-shirt game this week, Levin. Niners, Cardinals in Arizona. A win secures the NFC West for the Niners. Yeah, and that's why they should take it seriously. They need to take this game seriously. It has all the makings of a letdown game. Hopefully they don't allow that to happen. Uh, we, we've seen it in 2019 with the Atlanta game. They came back, had a letdown. Hopefully this game is not it. There has been some bad history in Arizona where the Niners lost to Arizona teams that they had no business losing to. Uh, so it, it's a little bit of a concern, but when you look at these two teams on paper, it, it's a no contest. We'll get into how we'll start with the Niners offense and how they attack Arizona's defense, and then we'll get into the flip side of things and the defensive side of the ball. The Niners offense is rolling right now, Levin. They had 11 plays last week against the Cardinals of 20 yards or more. That was the most any team has had in any game this season. I feel like offensively now, especially with the way Debo is playing, this team is hitting their peak at the perfect time. Yeah, they, they, so early in the season, it was, we have Ayuk. They, they had Ayuk deep and they were killing teams with Ayuk deep. Debo was a little bit banged up. Kittle was, he didn't miss a game, but he was a little banged up early in the season. They both got healthy now, and now it's the, all right, pick your poison defense, and then we will adjust to that and kill you after and go on and put up a whole bunch of points. And I think that's, that's the problem that defenses are having is you can't stop it all. Either Ayuk's going to beat you deep on those intermediate, you know, 15 to 25-yard throws, the posts, routes like that. Debo's going to beat you coming underneath on a slant or even a screen, or you got Kittle leaking out, beating you down the sideline, which we've seen a couple of times. Like, you can't cover it all. And I feel like there has been a sort of growth throughout the season where you've had, first it was just like McCaffrey, 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 and everything's going to go off of that. But now 
Christian McCaffrey's coming off just 17 touches against the Seahawks last week. That's the second fewest he has had all year long, and yet they still put up 30 points. They still look unstoppable on offense. Like I said, 11 plays of 20 or more yards. If you can do that with Christian McCaffrey touching the ball the second fewest times of the year, that tells me that this offense has really grown into something that we have never seen before in the 49ers Kyle Shanahan era. I saw an amazing ranking of the top 10. It was the top 10 best games in terms of offensive success rate. So it's how off, what percentage you are successful on a given play. Five of the top 10 this season are 49ers. <laughs> Half, that's the entire NFL. Five of the top 10. It's, it's why the Niners might not be number one in terms of points scored per game. But I think a lot of people would argue they're the best offense in the league. He's Levin Black. I'm Rob Guerrero. You're listening to the Gold Standard Network Hour here on 95.7 The Game. We're going to be with you every Sunday starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time, breaking down the Niners opponent that week. If you want to get more of our content, check out the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel, or you can download our podcast everywhere you get your pods. Talking about the Niners offense going up against Arizona and you're right. They are hitting their stride. And this is not new for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. When I speak in terms of rounding into form late in the season, right? We saw it last year going into the playoffs, 10 straight regular season victories. The hallmark of the Kyle Shanahan team is that they are playing their best ball November, December. I believe I saw a stat that the Niners have won 16 straight games in November or later. That is a credit to Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff that they get this team going right when they need to. Well, I, I really think that that's just the Kyle Shanahan effect. When you have probably the best X's and O's offense of mind in the league, like I think both offense and defense, Kyle Shanahan's probably the best overall. There's, there's no defensive mind out there that's better at adjusting and attacking the weaknesses of the opposing team. And there's no offensive guy that's better than Kyle Shanahan either. And the reason why they get so good at the end of the year is because Kyle gets more data. He sees what opposing teams are doing. He figures out, all right, this season, this player is doing really good at this, or this part of the team is doing this, and this is the schemes that they're running. We're going to attack that. We're going to beat them. And that's why he's better towards the end of the year because he he's able to see what that team is doing in that year because teams change from year to year, and we see it. In November and December, the Niners are essentially unbeatable. And when you consider what the Niners did the first time against the Cardinals, when they didn't have that data, it could be ugly this week because Brock put up 283 in that game. Christian McCaffrey had 106 yards on the ground and three rushing touchdowns. And oh, by the way, chipped in with a receiving touchdown as well. So if that's what Kyle can do to this team with new coaches, right? then imagine what he's going to be able to do today a second time around. You know, it, it's crazy because this is going to be a Christian McCaffrey game, I believe, because the Cardinals are just a, a bad defensive uh, rushing team. They're not good at stopping the run. The Rams just ran for over 200 yards on them. Kyron Williams went off against them. He had over 200 yards from scrimmage. They, they give up a lot of receiving to the running backs as well. So this should be a Christian McCaffrey game. But this might be the team that Purdy has done the best against. This is Purdy's statistics in the two times that he's played the Cardinals. He's completed 35 of 41 passes in two games against the Cardinals. He's completing over 85% of his passes against the Cardinals, and he has four touchdowns to no interceptions against them. So it's, yes, on paper, Christian McCaffrey should dominate this game. But if they need Purdy... He's wrecked them as much as he's wrecked any opponent. His quarterback rating against the Cardinals in two games is 146. Is that good? Uh, it's pretty good. It's almost average for Purdy. But overall, when you consider all quarterbacks, yeah, it's amazing. And he's done it two games. I mean, yeah, he, he has opponents that he might have been able to match that rating, but he's only played them once. And that's the unique part of that is it's been two games and he's been virtually unstoppable. 85% of his passes have been completed. And he's averaging more than 10 yards per attempt against them. 
Yeah, but that doesn't count because he's got Kyle yeah. Shanahan and other teammates, right? That doesn't count. We'll, we'll get to that ridiculous argument a little bit later. But that's the thing that reassures you. Let's say for whatever reason the Niners go into this game, I don't think this is going to be the case because the Cardinals have given up the third most rushing yards in the entire league. But let's say for whatever reason the Cardinals are stopping the run. You have full faith and confidence now in a quarterback that if he needs to pass you to victory, can do it and can do it convincingly. That's the difference of this team versus all the Niner teams under the Shanahan era and maybe even going all the way back to the Garcia years back in the early 2000s. Like, cause even those Kaepernick and Alex Smith teams with Harbaugh, I don't know that they could win when they had to go out and pass to win, right? They could win when Frank Gore got going and they could run those two tight end sets and dominate just by out physically in the other team. And then if they needed the amazing once Kaepernick was in, it was more so Kaepernick was going to get out and run and make those crazy big splash plays. You know, occasionally, yes, he had big passing games, but he didn't have too many 300-yard passing games in his career. This might be the first team since those early 2000 Niners teams that can come out and say, all right, you want to stack eight, nine guys in the box, which, by the way, Christian McCaffrey has faced the most eight-plus defenders in the box of any running back in the league. If you want to do that, that's fine. We're just going to pass the ball and beat you that way because Ayuk will beat you deep or Kittle will leak out or McCaffrey will get the underneath or Debo will turn a 10-yard slant into a 50-yard touchdown. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. You're listening to the Gold Standard Network Hour here on 95.7 The Game. If you are enjoying this conversation, you want more 49ers coverage, please check out our YouTube channel or you can download the podcast. Just search Gold Standard Network. And that'll have all the Niner coverage you could possibly want. We are live on YouTube every single day of the week. Let's flip it over now. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. How are the 49ers going to attack and control Kyler Murray? Because that is the biggest thing in this game. He's the scariest part of the offense. He's the only part that you feel like is going to hurt you. Can they contain Kyler Murray on the ground? Well, they just did to Jalen Hurts. And let's give credit where it's due. This is maybe the biggest thing that Steve Wilkes has brought to the team. They have learned, hey, when we face a very athletic quarterback, it's not about getting sex. It's about maintaining our form, keep that pocket locked up, make them stay in the pocket and be a pocket passer, trust our secondary to have good coverage, and eventually we'll just slowly close in that pocket and get our sacks that way because he can't escape anywhere. And we saw that against Jalen Hurts. And that is something that the Niners struggled against when D'Amico Ryans was the defensive coordinator and struggled against when Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator. I think they have learned, they've matured, that it's, hey, I don't need to get to the quarterback as fast as possible. I just need to maintain my discipline and stay in my gap so the quarterback has nowhere to go and will eventually stop them and get the quarterback down and get four or five sacks in the game. Which, by the way, these two teams blitz as few as any two teams. Like, this will not be a game where I think there's a bunch of pressure coming at the quarterbacks. Both teams are in the bottom five for blitz rate in the league. This is going to be a game where it's just matchups, which that's kind of crazy to me because the Cardinals, you would think they would be a high-blitzing team, right? Because they lack the talent to get home with four people. Yet they don't. They do not blitz. That's a shame because Brock destroys the blitz. (laughs) (laughs) And the 49ers don't need to blitz. Kyle was actually asked, can you contain Kyler Murray the same way you contain Jalen Hurts? Here's what he said. They're different. I mean, he's still a huge threat to run every time, but there's a a little different style in how they play and stuff. So, But he is a problem. Anyway, we all know how fast and quick he is. And if you give him, no matter what you do in coverage, if if you give him those open gaps, he's going to get 15 faster than anybody. Yes, he's so much quicker than Jalen Hurts. And what what the Niners need to do is don't let your edge rushers get deeper than the quarterback. Wherever the quarterback stops his drop, you can't go past that if you're Nick Bosa or Chase Young. Because when you do, you create those rush lanes, those paths to escape on the outside, and that's when you can get gashed for chunk plays. For the most part against Philadelphia, they were able to do that. I thought they were pretty disciplined. There were a couple times, but for the most part, they did that. You have to do it against the Cardinals because Kyler is way faster than Jalen Hurts. This is a game that the only way the Cardinals can put up points, I feel like, 
is if they win and they unscripted. If they are able to get Kyler Murray out of the pocket and allow him to buy time, they might get a deep pass or two to get into scoring range. They might get a long touchdown. Or you're going to get Kyler Murray scrambling for first downs and moving the chains on back-breaking third downs. As long as you contain Kyler Murray to that pocket and you stay disciplined, I don't see a way that the Cardinals are going to be able to score enough points to outpace this 49ers offense. And that, that, that should be their goal going in. Keep them to the script. Don't allow them to have the unscripted where Kyler Murray is free to create and has nobody around him. I agree with you. You're not going to sort of beat the 49ers defense conventionally, so to speak. It's going to have to be that kind of backyard football, those types of plays. And I'm sure the Cardinals will hit a couple of those because you're not going to totally shut that down unless you just completely obliterate them from you know, snap one, they'll probably get a couple, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that enough against the 49ers to consistently beat them, and certainly not enough to be able to outscore the offense, which, as we've talked about, can put up 30 points a game and pretty much does. Yeah, the, the Niners' offense is the real deal. The the <laughs> Cardinals' offense is not the real deal. And if you're thinking, but they have Kyler Murray now. They've only had Kyler Murray for four games this year, so it's a different offense now. They've improved a little with Kyler Murray, but they're still only at under 20 points per game with Kyler Murray in. They're at 19.75 points with Kyler Murray in those four games. They're still not a good offense. They're not abysmal like I would say they probably were with Dobbs. Dobbs was basically, when they had Dobbs, it was if he scrambles and they get a field goal, that was you know their ideal drive with Dobbs. They're a little bit better than that. But not by much. Kyler Murray is not what he was. He He's regressed, I feel like, every single year he's been in the league. He has not developed as a quarterback. He's not gotten better as he's gotten older. So, to me, this this offense is a very limited offense. They're good at running the ball. They're still a good rushing team. The problem is they're a terrible passing team. They, are, <laughs> they average the third fewest yards per attempt in the passing game. Of any team. Obviously, the Niners lead that. I think everybody knows this at that point because that's the main argument for Purdy for MVP. But they only average six yards even per pass attempt. That's almost four yards worse than the 49ers. That's a darn shame. And look, if you're going to set the Niners up to chase and tackle, like you're going to lose because that's exactly what they want. So you're going to play right into the strength of the 49ers. If you are going to Keep an eye on somebody on offense for the Cardinals. Keep an eye on Trey McBride. He's their tight end. He's third in the league among all tight ends in yards per route run. He gets 30% of Kyler Murray's targets on the first read. That's the highest for any tight end in the league. So basically, when Kyler drops back to pass, he's looking at Trey McBride first and foremost. And that's why I think it's going to be a, a big game for 54 because Fred's that's Fred's job. I'm all for it. If you if you want to try to beat the Niners with your tight end, good luck. Because to beat the Niners with a tight end, like tight ends aren't fast, right? They they don't have the breakaway speed the wide receivers have. So the Niners have an advantage against tight ends, and that's why they're one of the best every single year for the last five years against tight ends. Like I think this year, the last couple of games they've dropped a little bit. They were number two in the league, but the last two weeks they've given up a little bit to the tight ends. And I think they've dropped a seventh in the league in terms of allowing catches to the uh, tight end. Which, by the way, that is one of the only things the Cardinals are better at. The Cardinals have actually been better at limiting tight ends than the Niners have. And we saw that in the first matchup because George Kittle had one catch for nine yards against the Cardinals in the first matchup. Fortunately, there's like three other all pros in the line <laughs> you can throw the ball to, so not exactly a big thing. You're listening to the Gold Standard Network Hour on 95.7 The Game. I'm Rob Guerrero alongside Levin Black. Uh, check out our YouTube channel, or you can download the Gold Standard Network podcast everywhere you get your pods. Talking a little 49ers defense against the Cardinals this weekend, Levin. There's one other little storyline that I want to get to, because people may have forgotten. But let's not forget that Nick Bosa and Kyler Murray were in the same draft. And the Cardinals could have had Nick Bosa on their team. They chose to draft Kyler Murray first overall. And there's that great story that former Cardinals GM Steve Kime told about how when they met Bosa before the draft, they took him out to dinner. It was Cliff and it was Steve Kime. And as they're leaving, Bosa puts his arms around both guys. And he looks at Steve Kime and he says, I have a feeling you're going to draft that little quarterback. (laughs) 
And if you do, I am going to haunt you for the rest of your career. And apparently, Kime says that he and Cliff Kingsbury got into the car leaving the restaurant. And they looked at each other and they were like, man, let's just hope he can't catch Kyler. And he really hasn't sacked Kyler Murray that much. But I think that's a little extra motivation for Nick Bosa going into this one. Yeah, he haunts both those guys while they're sitting at home on their couch these days. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, that that was a... Uh, I, I don't know that drafting Nick Bosa would have saved either one of those guys. Probably not. Because in the end, they just weren't very good at, at, in the roles that they were in. And if you don't have a, if you don't draft Kyler Murray, you don't have a quarterback still. So I don't know that the Cardinals would have been that much improved by having Bosa. Um, but it is an interesting factoid, and it is a little bit of extra motivation for him to come out and beat them. And let's hope he does. Like I, w- I would love to see a big Bosa game. This is he's nine and a half sacks. He can hit double digits with a single half sack. And let's hope he gets there. Six sacks in his, what is it, last seven games for Bosa? He has. No, no, no. I think it's seven in his last six games. So coming out of the bye, he's only had one game without a sack. The Eagles yeah. game was the only game that he didn't get a sack. And to be honest, you could argue that, I don't want to say he wasn't trying to get a sack, but the priority was more boxing in Jalen Hurts than it was yeah. actually bringing him down. Right. Now, this is a game, there's one interesting point. That if you see the Cardinals turning the ball over, they got no hope because that's the one thing they've done actually pretty well offensively. And they limit turnovers. Both these teams are in the top 10 for lowest turnover rates offensively. So if you see an early turnover for the Cardinals, that just adds into this is going to be a route because they cannot afford to turn the ball over. They, they are. 30th, I think, in the league in terms of scoring percentage on offensive drives, despite not turning the ball over. So if they turn the ball over on top of that, like they got no hope in the world. So that's something to watch here. Obviously, turnovers are always important, so it's a bit cliche. But when you have a bad offense that has been able to limit the turnovers, if they do turn the ball over, then it's going to go from bad to horrendous. And I feel like the Niners have been stepping that up. I mean, there have been a lot of times in the last couple of weeks where they're either getting turnovers or dropping interceptions. But they are in position to make plays on the ball. Obviously, they had multiple turnovers against the Seahawks, as we know. But there were also, like, dropped interceptions in that game. Mooney Ward had a dropped interception. Diamondor Lenore had an interception that was called back because of Nick Bosa, which Bosa pointed out is the second time that he's made a penalty that's taken away an interception from Diamondor Lenore. But I just feel like even Ambry Thomas, like, they, this is not like the Jimmy Ward Jaquaski Tart era 49ers where like they never turned the ball over. This is the give us the ball 49ers. We are taking it away and we are giving it back and setting up our offense in position to score. Isn't it nice? I'm <laughs> glad we're not in that old era. Like that was frustrating. They had a year where they had, I think it was what, two interceptions in an entire season? Yeah. <laughs> if you just stood flat footed after the snap, you would get more than two interceptions in a season. Like, just terrible. I don't ever want to go back to that. That was really hard to watch because it was basically we're going to have to beat the but beat the crap out. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Out of you, in order to stop you, because we're never turning the ball over. They didn't. They were never dominant in terms of sacks in that that period. They were always in the upper half, but they were never top five in sacks. So it was, we're just not going to allow you to get yards, and that was it. That was the only thing they were capable of doing. And now they're capable of doing all of that. They can get a lot of sacks. They can just stop you from getting the yards, period. Or they can first force turnovers. There's fumbles. There's interceptions. It's all happening now. They are leading the league in interceptions right now with 17, and they are second overall, tied for second, in total turnovers. They have 23. Uh, the Jags and the Broncos actually lead the NFL with 24 total turnovers. And just sort of a bigger picture view, because you mentioned it, like the Niners can do everything on both sides of the ball. They can stop the run on defense. They can shut down your passing game. They can rush the passer. They can generate turnovers. On offense, they can run the ball. They can throw the ball short. They can throw the ball deep. They can do anything you want to do in any facet of the game. And we have been telling people, appreciate this. These are the good old days, and don't let this slip by without appreciating it because these kind of teams are very rare. Yeah, it it is very rare. This is a unique season. Uh, I have harped on our previous shows about how you the Niners need to finish the deal this year because if they don't, the legacy will be gone. Nobody will remember 10 years from now, other than just diehard Niner fans, what this team was. And this is a special team in terms of how good the offense is and how good the defense is. You don't see this very often in the NFL. And I, I just hope they can go on to win the Super Bowl to cement that legacy that everybody will remember for, you know, 30 years from now. People will still talk about that Niners team of 2023. Well, that's the thing, because not only will you not be remembered nationally if you don't finish the deal with a Super Bowl championship, but you won't be remembered even when we talk about the greatest 49er teams of all time, because you got to have a ring to get into that club. And hopefully, hopefully the 49ers are on their way to accomplishing it this season. All right, straight ahead. What does Brock Purdy have to do to continue to be in the MVP conversation? And is there another player that should win an award? We'll talk about it. It's the Gold Standard Hour on 95.7 The Game. What is good, everybody? You're listening to the Gold Standard Network Hour here on 95.7 The Game. I am Rob Guerrero alongside Levin Black. We've been talking Niners-Cardinals. We'll give you our predictions coming up for the game in a little bit. But first, Levin, we've got to talk about this Brock Purdy MVP narratives because this is like no matter what we do, Brock Purdy can't win the MVP. Case in point, Ben Solak of The Ringer put out a video on Thursday that he called debunking Brock Purdy for MVP. And it's driving me nuts. It is already making my receding hairline get even worse because it's falling out because everybody just wants to list reasons why Brock Purdy can't win the MVP. Debunking Brock Purdy from winning the MVP. But I haven't heard anybody tell me reasons why anybody else should win it. And it's driving me crazy. Okay, first off, let's appreciate that this is even a conversation with a 49ers quarterback because it's been a while. Right? There's a legitimate conversation dominating the national narrative. Like, this has been talked about nationally on pretty much every show. Is Brock Purdy deserving of the MVP? The fact that that's even a conversation is a massive win for all of us, right? Don't provide perspective here, Levy. <laughs> we want it. That's my job, right? That's <laughs> what I've always been here. That's why you bring me along everywhere you go, because I got to provide perspective. So you don't lose it going down some rabbit hole. But even with that victory and being so excited that it's even a conversation, the simple fact is Brock Purdy is the most deserving as it sits now. I would argue it's pretty close. I can see some argument for Dak Prescott. I can at least understand that side, even though I don't agree. And I think Lamar Jackson is within striking distance, especially with 
the two teams playing each other on Christmas Day to leapfrog both Dak and Brock Purdy. I think that, that, that those are the three horses here unless somebody has some crazy unprecedented run at the end. But Brock Purdy is the most deserving. And the, the fact that some of these people are having to go and search and go down deep rabbit holes to find some kind of data that backs up Brock Purdy not being the MVP tells you everything. Because if you have to dig that deep and the surface is showing him being the MVP, it means he's the MVP. Brock Purdy is number one on almost every single statistic. One of my favorite things that I saw this week is uh, yards per attempt on yard on throws. This is by air yards. Behind the line of scrimmage, Brock Purdy number one. One plus yards down the field, Brock Purdy's number one. Five plus yards, Brock Purdy number one. Ten plus, fifteen plus, twenty plus, twenty-five plus. Every single distance that you go down the field by air yards, Brock Purdy is number one in yards per attempt. Yeah, that doesn't count. By the way, I think technically he's second in twenty-five plus and second in thirty plus. No, but everything else. Yeah, he's second. He's, he's first. first in yards per attempt, second in EPA, I believe. Ah, uh, yes, actually, that's right. Nick Wagoner had that tweet earlier. Tweet. That's why I'm here. Yeah, shut up. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. But yet, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. That's because we just keep coming up with reasons to discount it, right? Well, Ben Solak literally twisted himself into a pretzel, saying, well, sure, Brock Purdy gets deep plays down the field, but his air yards per explosive play is only 15 yards, and that's really low compared to other guys. It's like... Oh, my God, what are we even talking about here? Like, if you're digging into somebody's air yards on just explosive plays, and that's why they can't win the MVP, I just feel like you're working backwards. You've already decided that Brock can't be the MVP, and you are going to look and look and look until you find a reason to take it away from him. And that's my problem. Nobody should operate in that way. I don't care what analyst you are, what sport, it doesn't matter. You should never go, here's my conclusion, now let me go find the evidence to support it. It should be, let me find the evidence and come up with a conclusion based on it. And if you work that way, you would determine Brock Purdy should be the leader for MVP. Because, like I said, he's number one in the league in so many of the normal important things. You know, it's not just yards per attempt. He's number one in touchdown percentage. He has a sky-high touchdown percentage. He is dead last in the league for pass attempts amongst qualified quarterbacks, and yet he's third in passing yards. <laughs> That's insane. If you take the top five quarterbacks in passing yards this season, Brock Purdy has the fewest attempts, right? The guy who is fourth on attempts, so one spot above Brock Purdy, has 75 more pass attempts. If you gave Brock Purdy that number of pass attempts, so he would only be fourth most amongst the top five passers. He would be leading the league in passing yards by 650 yards. That's the part I feel like people are missing, is that he's third in passing yards, and he's not throwing the ball nearly as much as these other quarterbacks are. And, and somehow people just ignore that. We just ignore the things about Brock that we don't like. Hell, before... The counting stats started to catch up. It was, well, these guys are ahead in yards and touchdowns, so that's why they deserve it over Brock. And then when Brock's counting stats started to catch up, you mentioned third in yards. He's tied for second in touchdowns with Josh Allen, second only to Dak Prescott. Then I heard people say, oh, well, you know, the stats are too close to call. The stats are a wash. Yeah, we didn't want to do that when Brock was further down the list in the counting stats. And it, it's just we are not treating this like we treat other MVP conversations. Here, here's one way to frame it, right? 550 pass attempts is below league average. If you gave Brock Purdy 550 pass attempts, he would be closing in on the passing record for a single season. If you gave Brock Purdy 600 pass attempts, which there's close to 10 quarterbacks every single season, they get to 600 pass attempts. That's not un unlikely anymore. A lot of teams pass like that. If you gave him 600 pass attempts, which, by the way, Patrick Mahomes pretty much hits every single year, he would obliterate the passing yards record. He would obliterate. And, by the way, because he's number one in touchdown percentage as well, he would also be in competition for the touchdown record as well. 
I'd have to do the math on exactly what he would end up on and whether or not he would claim it from Peyton Manning, but he would be leading the league by a wide margin. And that's the thing. If you gave him the pass attempts of some of these other MVP candidates, he would be dominating statistically, and it would be a no contest that he's the MVP. By the way, there were five quarterbacks last year that had at least 600 pass attempts, in case you're wondering. This is the Gold Standard Network Hour on 95.7 The Game. I'm Rob Guerrero. He's Levin Black. Hope you're enjoying the content, everybody. We're going to be with you every Sunday starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time, so we hope you join us. If you want more of our 49ers coverage, by the way, you can check out our YouTube channel, download our podcast everywhere you get your pods. The Brock Purdy stuff will forever drive me nuts. Every MVP quarterback has had great teammates. Every MVP quarterback, I shouldn't say every, most MVP quarterbacks have had great play callers. A lot of them have had good defenses. None of this is new, and yet we are acting like it's new. And I think it's all because Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft, and he's beating out guys that were picked much, much earlier than he was. I'm glad you corrected yourself there that most have had great play callers because a couple of years ago, somebody won MVP with Greg Roman, and we know how 49ers fans feel sure. about Greg Roman as a, as a play caller, uh, especially when it comes to the end-of-game situations. Yeah, let's just say we've upgraded. <laughs> a little bit, just a little, yeah. But, but no, the, the to win the MVP... It is extremely, extremely rare for somebody to win the MVP with a bad supporting cast. You know, 90-plus percent of your MVPs won MVP with other Hall of Famers helping him out. And that's the simple facts. You can go Kurt Warner. You can go Peyton Manning. You can go, you know, Tom Brady might be the one that's won a lot of MVPs that had the worst supporting casts on average. He's still a grunk. You know what I mean? Like... It's not like Edelman was bad. It's not like Wes Welker was bad. They're just not quite Hall of Famers, but Gronk is. Like, he had the best tight end. The easiest, I would argue, the easiest tight end in league history to throw to because he's just a massive person. They also had Randy Moss. Just throwing yeah, that out for a short, short period, but yes. Well, yeah, but he, threw the, he set the record for touchdowns that year, so uh, it drives me nuts. It will always drive me nuts, and hopefully, like we said, in these last four games, Brock can light it up, and then he can sort of help end the argument but a few minutes ago, we said there's another 49er that should be in contention for a season-long award, and he's not getting the credit for it right now. And it's Fred Warner, who, once you dug into some of the numbers, Levin, you thought maybe 54 should be getting a lot more credit than he's getting. Yeah, so, I mean, this was born out of, I was looking at Fred Warner's season stats because I was curious what all he's gotten to since he had his fourth interception, which is pretty rare amongst linebackers in the last game. And then I, one thing stuck out to me. He already has 100 tackles. He's going to be pushing close to 130 to 140 tackles, which is quite a few. He has a bunch of interceptions, which means he's doing really well on the back end of plays in coverage deeper down the field. He has three forced fumbles, which means he's hitting hard when he's coming up and he's being a playmaker at the point of the tackle. And in addition to that, he has two sacks. Which you might not seem like a lot, but for linebackers, not many linebackers get sacks. So that means he's making plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's making plays at all levels of the field. So I put that in and, and to see how many linebackers have hit the numbers that he's hit, which was 100 tackles or more, uh, four interceptions, three force fumbles, and two sacks. And there's only one other person that's done it since 1999. And that was Thomas Davis in 2015. And you could go further by adding pass def defended. Fred Warner has nine. Thomas Davis only had seven. So you could make a statistical uh, filter where Fred Warner is one of one since 1999. He should be amongst the leaders in defensive player of the year. The problem is he's being treated like a wide receiver or running back is for the MVP, where everybody thinks to be the defensive player of the year, it's going to be a pass rusher unless some DB comes out and has close to double-digit interceptions. And then maybe they get consideration for the defensive player of the year. Fred Warner should be in consideration. And it's ridiculous that he's not. But I do think that there there is a small path for him to get there. I think if he gets like another interception or two and he's sitting there, He's currently, I think, tied for third in the league in interceptions. But if he gets to five or six, 
I think he might enter, enter that conversation. We definitely give it to pass rushers. First and foremost, it is a pass rusher. It's a sacks award, basically. I mean, even Deron Bland for the Dallas Cowboys, who has set the record this year for the most pick sixes in a season that anybody has ever had, and he's still fourth in the defensive player of the year odds, which just goes to show we like sacks. And Fred Warner could get sacks, but he's too busy carrying CeeDee Lamb down the slot in the playoff game against the Cowboys or defending passes over the middle or chasing down running backs. He's asked to do different things, which takes away from his sack numbers, and that hurts him when it comes to awards like that because we only like quarterback sacks. It's not that he's asked to do different things. It's that he's asked to do every thing. <laughs> Except <laughs> You know, he does pass rush some, but the Niners don't blitz. Uh, they're bottom five in terms of blitz rate in the league. And it's because they don't have to. They, they have invested in that defensive line, draft after draft after draft, and in free agency with Hargrave now. So they don't have to use their linebackers to blitz. And that's fine. That's a luxury. That's why they're able to be good in coverage now because they, they have an advantage in coverage over other teams. They don't drop five, six guys into coverage. They drop seven almost every single time because that defensive line is so good. And that means Fred Warner's back in coverage. And I'm just fine. I'm fine with that because he's so good in coverage. And let's be honest, narrative is a part of this thing, too. Last year felt like Bosa's year. He picked up a lot of kind of sentiment from everybody. And people were like, well, Michael Parsons is having a really good year. And it was kind of like, well, the Niners are really good. Bosa's really good. We're giving it to him. This year, it kind of feels like, okay, we didn't give it to Micah Parsons last year, so we're going to give it to him this year. Although Bosa has caught up to Micah in pressures because of this run that he has come on. But I feel like narrative is a part of it. It is. I, I think the only way that Fred Warner could truly enter the conversation is if Dallas kind of falls on their face at the end, right? If they fall on their face and they end up losing, let's say, two of their final four, you might not see Parsons and Bland up there in the MVP, defensive player of the year Sorry, conversation anymore. Because at that point, like end of season does matter because that's where you can kind of cement the narrative. That has already been formed. But if you falter, like everybody right now is looking at Parsons and going, all right, I'm ready to give you the defensive player of the year award. Just don't screw it up. <laughs> right? That's the situation they're in. And the Cowboys have massive games coming up today, obviously, against the Bills in Buffalo. And then next week against the Dolphins in Miami. So the opportunity will be there to cement themselves for awards for both defensive player of the year and MVP if it comes to that. All right, let's focus more on the Cardinals game. You're listening to the Gold Standard Network here on 95.7 The Game. I'm Rob Guerrero. He's 11 Black. It's Niners. It's Cardinals. I don't know if you heard this earlier in the week from Kyle Shanahan. I thought this was really interesting. Kyle was asked, how are the Cardinals different now from how they were when the Niners played them earlier in the season? They're doing the exact same stuff. They're just better at everything. I got a lot of respect of how they've done this year. I thought they were real tough at the beginning of the year. I thought we had to play flawless on offense um, to beat them. And, but that, that was a real tight game. And since then, they have how many ever games it is, nine more games of reps. Um, they're playing very hard. They're playing together. Um, they've added some really good players, especially Buddha, who they didn't have. Uh, I think it's, they've always been real talented on special teams. They've also gotten a very great, talented quarterback back. So, and they remind me of a lot of us our first year where we started out 0-9 and finished 6-10. and I think everything they're doing is the right way, and I think they're a real tough football team. That was an interesting comment. They remind me of us in 2017. And all I could think of when I heard that was just like, damn, man, it's okay to have a be in a crappy division. Could we get the other teams in the NFC West being down a little bit, please? I mean, they, they did beat the Steelers, but the Steelers are reeling. And yeah, I, I guess let's just hope that this isn't the 27 Cardinal or 2017 49ers playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? right. That would be the comparison. That the Jaguars came in, they were this dominant defense. They they were just having pretty much the best year the Jaguars have had in, in 20 years. And the Niners came in. They had a new quarterback who uh, I don't want to name, and they beat them. And that was kind of the announce of, all right, 
it's been a, a struggle of a first year with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, but there's a future here. And by the way, happy 44th birthday. Kyle Shanahan celebrated this week. And it, when I read that earlier this week on Thursday, I was like, you know, let me just go and look where we are. Kyle is climbing up the list for coaches now. You know, we think of Kyle Shanahan like he's a young guy, but he's been in, this is year seven now in San Francisco. And the reason I think we're not going to see a Jaguars type situation like you mentioned is because of Kyle. Kyle, the way he game plans things, he sets your defense up not to get you to do something that you don't normally do. What Kyle is great at is he's great at letting you play your defense exactly the way you want to play it and then breaking it anyway. That's the best part about Kyle Shanahan, and that's never going away. It doesn't matter who's healthy, who's in there, you know, who's having a down year. It, that doesn't go away, and that's the comforting thing about the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, X's and O's, is the best coach in the league. Has been for a while now. It's why we're lucky to have him. And it's why why he will probably end up, when it's all said and done, being in the conversation of greatest ever. He, he should end up in the Hall of Fame. He's got to win a Super Bowl, at least one. I think he'll get there eventually. And that's kind of what everybody is waiting on, I think, to truly anoint him. You hear a lot of like the people that are like real analysts, former players, they see the X's and O's part of it, the scheming that he's doing. And they talk about it there. But he hasn't fully been given his flowers because the history of Kyle Shanahan is being the offensive coordinator who gave up the biggest lead ever in Super Bowl history, being the offensive co or the head coach who lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl when they had a big lead because they couldn't get anything going in the second half, right? So they haven't been able to kind of like give him his crown and flowers yet. But I think that's coming, maybe as soon as this year. But the simple fact is, he is the best game planner in the league, period. And we've seen the growth from when he took over in 2017 to now. They have won 11 straight games against the NFC West. We always talk about like, oh, their long winning streak against the Rams. Now it's up to five straight against Seattle. Well, it's 11 straight in the division. And that streak is going to continue today. I know that, you know, the Cardinals have all this hope and all this stuff, and the Niners are a little banged up. But let's be honest, they're way more talented than Arizona. It's not even close. If you were going to do a draft of all the players in this game, how many Niners do you pick before you get to one Cardinal? That's a good question. It might be double digits, put it that way. It very well could be double digits because there's not a star-level player on the Cardinals. There's not like, oh, there's a sneaky, really, really good offensive lineman like a Trent Williams over there or defensive lineman or any of that. It's not even close. And like you said, take a minute to appreciate it. Stop, smell the roses, breathe it in, and then get ready for a 49ers whooping later today. You're listening to the Gold Standard Network Hour here on 95.7 The Game. He's Levin Black. I'm Rob Guerrero. We're going to be here with you Every Sunday morning, 8 a.m., please join us. And if you like the content, check out our YouTube channel, Gold Standard Network. Download the podcast everywhere you get your pods. We're getting to that time, Levin. What is your official prediction for this game? I'll be really surprised if the Niners can't put up 30 points against the Cardinals. So I, I'm going 35 for the Niners. And at the same time, I just don't see Kyler Murray being special enough to put up points against the 49ers. So I'm only giving the Cardinals 13. So that's 35-13. Hopefully I got my feet up and I'm relaxing midway through the game. It should be that kind of game. And there's, when you look at it, it's like, okay, we think McCaffrey's going to get going, right? But if McCaffrey doesn't get going... Well, then Debo could get going. Or if it's not Debo, it could be the Kittle game. I thought one of the really interesting points from last weekend's game, Greg Olson said Kyle Shanahan told him, we don't throw the ball to certain players. We attack coverages. And wherever the ball goes, it goes. And Kyle's going to find a way to attack the Cardinals' coverage. All right, so give me a score prediction. Quit, quit uh, hiding your score prediction and get to it. I'm not hiding anything. <laughs> providing valuable context for our listeners. Uh, I'm going to go Niners. I'll say 35. I think this is going to be another game where Jake Moody doesn't have to kick any field goals because the Niners are going to get touchdowns. I'm going to go 35, and I'll give the Cardinals 
They'll probably have one good drive. Let's call it 13. I think you just pick the same exact score as me. I don't know. I don't listen when you talk. <laughs> you <laughs> did, by the way, you know, because I actually listened to you and I know what I picked. So we are both at the 35 13 prediction. It's, it's every week with the 49ers with this offense, 30 points. It's like, even when they don't play their best, I didn't think they played their best last week against the Seahawks, and they still had the highest yardage total of the year. Yeah, and you can look at it as, like, look at the, the uh, Eagles game. They came out, they didn't have the right offensive game plan, and they changed it up, and they went and scored a whole bunch of points anyways, right? Handle your business, 49ers. Keep everybody healthy. Stand on it, 49ers. That's a stand on business. <laughs> Take home those NFC West t-shirts. Take home those NFC West hats and beat the Cardinals. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Remember, we will be with you every Sunday. So wake up with us, 8 a.m. This has been the Gold Standard Network Hour on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.